We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. We start our Christmas series today called Simply Christmas. How many understand sometimes we can overcomplicate things? Sometimes we can unsimplify things based on wanting to enhance or heighten the feeling of that day and age or time or thing or food or piece of artwork. I really wanted us to take a moment and start to look at Christmas through the lens of simplifying it rather than allowing it just to get out of control as we so often do. In fact, most of the best Christmas movies are about out-of-control Christmas scenarios. I don't know which movie you start with for your Christmas uh, time, but I know one of the big ones that we do is Jingle All the Way. And it's a crazy story about a father who was supposed to get a Turbo Man doll for his son. And uh, he told his wife that he would handle it, and he didn't have it handled. And the premise, the whole rest of the movie is about him trying to get it and the chaos that ensues with everybody fighting so hard to get the same thing. And so even though it's a funny movie and we love it, it also does explain how we can unsimplify Christmas, how we can add all the coatings and the layers that maybe aren't really what it's about. And I, I'm not here to say, no toys under the tree. Goodness, I expect a toy under my tree. Still, today, right? No, we, we still do the gift giving. I'm not trying to, to, to belittle or shut down the idea of gift giving. After all, people brought gifts to Jesus in a manger, right? So, but what I am saying is I feel like we can peel back the layers. We can get a little bit more authentic in our thought process towards Christmas if we would just simplify it. So as we begin this Simply Christmas, I came up with all these different thoughts and I had all these great ideas and I was going to paint on the stage and then I didn't trust myself. I'd knock over the paint on the stage. And, uh, you know, but I will tell you, if you've ever tried to create a piece of art, if you've maybe if you've ever painted on canvas, you can have this idea, this elaborate idea, and you, you do the, you know, the, the stuff around in the background, and you're, you're painting the background, and then you go to the, the foreground, the front, and you start creating the object that you want visible. But if you don't be careful, if you over-intensify what's going on in the background, you can lose what's meant to be the object. If you start to overdo a certain area on that canvas, you begin to lose the very thing that you were painting it for. Are you hearing me? I'll tell you, I was thinking about how uh, just recently my, uh, my family and I, we've begun to watch these holiday baking shows. Anyone else into that stuff? There's nothing that says happy holidays like Gordon Ramsay cussing you out. You know, there's just something about... <laughs> but what I will tell you is this. I've been listening to all of these things and, and really these holiday wars and all these different little cooking shows. And, and I'm hearing this same word come up time and time again from the judges. The judges who are obviously judging, very judgy people. Don't hold it against them. They get paid for it. But these people are literally... As they're watching this, they're going, oh, I think they're overdoing it. I think that's way too many flavors. That profile is going to be muddled. It's going to be messed up. I think they're overdoing it. And they'll come alongside and they do the, hey, how are you? What are you making? Oh, that sounds great. But that thing right there, you know what? I think that one ingredient might just, ah, 
You know, it might overwhelm everything. And so what do they say? This one word continually comes up. I would consider an edit. I would consider editing that. And as I began to think of this, I thought, man, how many times do we get our Christmas season out of balance from overdoing something that really isn't a big part of what it should be? I'm getting somewhere. You're getting there, right? How often do we need to take a step back and go, what am I really teaching my kids here? Maybe I need to edit. What am I really focusing on? Maybe I need to edit. I haven't even gotten in the message. I'm just making sure you're getting onto the series idea, okay? And I began to really feel convicted about some of the things I've done. Anyone knows me? I'm an urban hunter, what is also AKA shopping. It just sounds more manly when I say urban hunting, okay? And so uh, anyone else, they, they like hunting for those deals on Black Friday? Hello, uh, this guy. Um, and so as I spent a long time, I'm also a people watcher. I like watching people. They're weird weirder than me sometimes. And so I just, I enjoy it, right? I'm like, ha, okay. So, uh, but I also was convicted as I drove home the other day thinking the amount of hours I just stood uh, or, or just took shopping, I felt like the Holy Spirit's like, hey, Christmas, me, hey, Christmas. And then I felt this feeling, do I intend on thinking on reading and praying the word as many hours as I shop? And I was like, I got kicked in the teeth. And I thought, man, no one likes you in your church because you think that way. Hopefully you like me. It was a joke, but no one laughed, so maybe no one likes me. That's a possibility. <laughs> but what I will tell you is I just had this conviction about we need to consider simplifying Christmas. I will get rid of this extra analogy because I think you got it. Say you got it, church. I want to simplify Christmas because what is Christmas all about anyway? It is all about Jesus' birth. That should be the center focus. It's all about Jesus' birth, that center focus. But why? The why of it is just as important. Not just that he came, but why he came. You know, if we're always just so happy about that six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus, if we're just so excited about the thought process of just this precious little baby without the foresight, the understanding of why he came and what it meant, not just to us, but to all of humankind. We can miss the potency that is supposed to be there at Christmas. Here's an idea. You know where Christmas came from, the name Christmas. It's Christ's Mass. It's where people come together in the name of Christ, and they spend this time focusing on the birth. They're gathering together. Church, wherever you are, if you're online, if you're listening to the podcast, make sure during this Christmas season you're actually gathering with the church, not just in the mall. I want you all to hear this from me, and this is not a very politically correct statement, and I'm really sorry for anyone this offends, but the pandemic is over based on what I saw in the mall Friday. I'm just being honest. This is, this is not something to be political about. It's just, I know not all Republicans or not all Democrats were in the mall. And I know that I couldn't, there were people sitting on the floors eating people. Sitting on, we, we live in America and they're sitting on the floors eating. I'm just saying, if you're going to go for hours in the mall, you can come to church and gather for Christ's mass. Isn't that what it's about? 
Oh, Pastor Chad went there. I'm finding a new church. Will you show up to that one? Simply Christmas. Simply Christmas. I want to catch you up on the story I'm about to go in because I'm about to preach the Christmas story in the most unorthodox way I have ever done. And we're going to look at the Christmas story through a totally different story in the Bible. We are about to dig into the Christmas story that we find in a moment where the Apostle Paul is in Athens. And we're going to dig through this. So I know you're going to be like, how is this Christmas? It'll all all come together at the end, okay? But let me catch you up on the story. Paul was preaching in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, however you want to pronounce it, which is a a part of Greece, but he had been run out by the Jews. Uh, and, And so what ends up happening, he ends up going from there to a place called Berea, and that's now the modern-day Varia, which is part of Macedonia, which is also part of northern Greece. And he begins preaching there. But the, the, the thugs that ran him out of uh, Thessalonica, they end up finding out he's there. So they go down and run him out of Berea too. Are you hearing me? And so after that, he ends up finding himself in Athens, Greece, where he's waiting on Silas and the rest of them to catch up. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, if you've ever seen, (laughs) you know, any of those boy bands, there's always one that's like super famous and the rest are just kind of like, I'm here too. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? They're all important because there would be no harmony without them. But for some reason, someone gets that front spot. You know what I mean? Uh, And so in the same way, when they rush out of a a building, they've got to take one guy and run this way because he's a little bit more famous than the rest. Hello? Well, that's what happened. They sent Paul away because he was more famous at building the church than the rest of them just yet. So they stayed and did the work while they kept sending, you know, Paul has left the building, people. So Paul is now Elvis. He's gone, right? He's having to run and flee. And it's like, they're not wanting autographs. They're wanting to kill him. So it's a little different, but same. Not same at all, but different. Oh, you got it. So anyway, now he's in Athens, Greece, waiting on uh, his his, uh, band to get back together, so to speak. And uh, while he's there, here's what ends up happening. While he's waiting in that Athens, he's so troubled by all the idols and shrines that he sees everywhere. So he began to reason with them daily about who God really was. He debated with the philosophers about Jesus and his resurrection and found himself yet again before another council. This is part of what he does. It's his stick. It's his bag, baby. This is what he has, right? So this is what he does. So now he's before, uh, he's before a council again because he's preaching the word of God. You're going, how is this Christmas? It's unorthodox. It's un, you know, it, it's, it's going to come around, okay? I was looking for the other words that I had written in my notes, but I walked away from my notes. So we're going to stay with unorthodox. <laughs> but listen, so as he's debating with them, we'll pick it up in Acts 17. It says, Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained. I love how they even do this in the Bible. It says, It should be explained that all the Athenians, uh, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. It's not like they just all stopped what they were doing that day to go hear Paul. They were all just philosophers and debaters that were coming together to have enlightened moments, right? Okay, so you're still with me. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown. 
known God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heavens, uh, of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations, talking about Adam, right? Throughout the whole earth, he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. Can I just take a minute and pause? This is not in my notes, but regardless of what happens, can I tell you, God already knows the rising and falls of empires. He's already determined what and when. Maybe man determines how and he just knows, but what I will say is when people get all flustered who's in the White House and what's going on, it's God who determines the empires. It's God who determines who stands up and who sits down. It's God who determines when the time and age ends for an empire and for this. So I just want to, you know, if you can rest a little easier, just know there's nothing that God doesn't know. He's already there, and although we should pray for healing for our country, and although we should pray for growth and going the right direction, just understand nothing is catching God off guard. He's not sleeping, yes? And so it says, his purpose, talking about God, was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist or have our beings. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now, say but now, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. So who's the man? Jesus the man. Who the man? Jesus the man. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. You're saying, how am I getting a Christmas story out of Paul in a council meeting? I'm going to tell you, because I, if you look throughout the scripture, you're going to find the Christmas story everywhere you look. Because everything points to Jesus. It always has, it always will. Why? Because Jesus is the doorway. Without Jesus, we cannot get back to the Father. We cannot come back into relationship with the Father. He is the one. That's why I said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through... He's the man! Who the man? He the man. Jesus is the man. And because of that, when I'm talking to you about this story, there's something you need to understand about the Christmas story. Number one, Christmas is about God being known. When the Apostle Paul said, I've walked around and I've, I've stood there in Athens. I've, I've seen uh, the, the temple of Zeus. I've seen all the things that got him frustrated and I can understand why. All, all of the, the stone temples uh, to the, the goddesses and, and to the gods. And, and I'm sitting here going, okay, I can understand why he got all fired up. But here's what you need to understand. When he said, I want to teach you about the God you worship who you don't know, let me make him known to you. That's what Christmas is all about. It was God wanting to be made known in a different way. How many, how many people have ever had a relationship with somebody and then there's something that happens and you end up being like, man, we were close, but now we're way closer. 
Maybe you had to fight the same obstacle. Maybe you went through the same thing. Now all of a sudden you have a different uh, appreciation for that person because you fought the same fight together. Can I tell you, God said, I'm going to go down there and fight the same fight with them so that they can have a different experience with me as God. I want to make myself known in a different way. So what I love about the Apostle Paul is he's already preaching Christmas. He's like, let me make known to you the God you don't know about because that is what Christmas is about. See, he had made himself known in an unprecedented way, in unprecedented way through his son Jesus that morning in a manger. God, he wants to be known. When you think about all that Jesus did, Jesus came to the earth and accomplished many things. In fact, he fulfilled over 300 pro prophecies while he was on the earth. That's a lot of prophecies. Basically every day he kind of woke up and he's like, I'm going to fulfill that one today. He just continued to prove he was the Messiah. And I'll tell you, he didn't do it in a proving way. He walked with, hum with humility. So when we peel back the meaning of Christmas at its simplest roots, it is about God being known. Again, to an unknown God, it said in Acts 17, to this, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. We spend so much time trying to find the perfect, perfect gift for our friends, don't we? And family for Christmas. Yet it's easy to know what God wants this year for us to make him known. If the church had the ability to do anything this year for God. You know, we're, we're running around and we're, we're trying to, to ba-rumpa-bum-bum, what could I bring to you, ba-rumpa-bum-bum. We're, we're finding the gifts for everyone else, but what am I going to do for God on, on Jesus' birthday? It's not really his birthday, but that's when we do it. But, you know. Someone's like, <gasps> what? It's okay. Listen. If we could just decide to spend some time actually making God known, we would be doing what Christmas is all about. The world doesn't know God. How can they unless someone tells them? But how would believers begin telling the world if Jesus had not come to make a way for sinners to be redeemed? This is one of those thoughts where, of course, we're supposed to go and tell people about God's goodness. Right, but if we're still living in our sins and we can't fulfill the Old Testament, we're really in trouble. So what Jesus did by coming to the earth is he created a way for us to reach others. Paul says it like this. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. Remember, the Gentile is anyone that's not a Jew. So the whole world is Gentile if they're not Jewish, right? So Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. What's the good news? The gospel, the good news of Jesus and what he did for us. You have to understand, we couldn't talk of all Jesus's goodness if it didn't start in a manger. Christmas is so much more, and I know you know I, I, I preached a, a series uh, a while back on the Christmas dominoes and how it had to start with one for the rest of them to fall. And this was the one. So God does not want to be someone, uh, some unknown God. He's the only true God and does not want to be kept a secret. It's hard because one of the hardest things I ever heard when I was in high school 
you know, I was going through those, those, that weird time where I went to church and I loved God, but I was struggling with the reputation and trying to have the right friends and trying to be in the cool kid group. And everyone struggled with that at some point in their life, right? And uh, I remember when one of them said like, oh, I didn't know you were Christian. And it was like a dagger to my hearts because I truly believed in God, but I had chose to make him an unknown God in my world. By claiming him one day and then putting him away like covering the basket over the, 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 the lamp, I had this, this conviction in my heart like either you believe or you don't. So you can't be two different people, but we're that all the time. We find ourselves struggling with that. We have this understanding of who the real God is, but yet we make him unknown because we're not willing to speak of him for fear of people. So number one, if you wrote it down, Christmas is about God being known. Number two, Christmas is about God being understood. Being understood. He wants his grace. He wants his mercy. He wants his loving kindness to be understood. And there's no better way than to be able to walk among us again. Remember, God walked with them in the garden with Adam and Eve. If you go back, it says that they walked along with God in the cool of the day in the garden. God, again, wanted to be known in that way. So he wanted to be understood, not just seen as something that's untouchable, but he wanted to physically be touchable. That's what Christmas is about. It says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. He literally said, I want you to understand me, so I'm coming to you. Isn't that something? I don't want you to just know of me. I want you to know the real me. I want to be understood. How many people have ever been in a relationship where you just feel misunderstood? You feel like if they could just truly know what you really meant, even though you've, you've tried so many ways, but they haven't understood it, they haven't heard it, they haven't seen it the way that you've intended, and you've tried and you've tried. Well, God was like, that's it. I'm going to them. That's it. I'm going to be understood. I'm going to be more than known. I'm going to be seen. I'm going to be experienced. I'm going to shake their world in a way that's never been shook before so that they can understand just how much I love them. Not how much I want to judge them. Not how much I want them to feel the pressure and the weight of all their sins so that I can take that pressure and weight off of them so that they would truly know anyone that goes to hell sent themselves there because I did everything I could. When you start to see that God wasn't just trying to be known, he wanted to be understood, it changes Christmas. It changes this because know what it makes me realize all these years later, thousands of years later, well, not that I'm that old, but you know what I'm trying to say? It makes me understand that whatever I don't understand about God partially is probably on me because he's made himself understood. How much am I in his word? How much am I asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to me? How much am I seeking because he has already said, I want to be understood. I'm not saying there won't be some mysteries that we don't know until we're on the other side. That's what kind of makes it fun. God, how'd you do that? I always talk about talking to God when I get up there with a whole bunch of questions. I know he don't got time for that. He's just, well, we're going to have all knowledge. We're going to get up there and be like, it's going to be like the Matrix download. Gee. Whoa! That was awesome! I get it! And then we'll move on to all the other awesome stuff. But listen, he wants us to know him and how much he cares for us. Number three, Christmas is about God coming near. 
not just about wanting to be known. If you're really going to be understood, then you have to be present. That's a, a lot of the issues when I talk with people that have struggled with family situations. Maybe, maybe they've had a struggle with their parents. Maybe, uh, you know, their dad wasn't around or maybe their mom wasn't around. Somehow there's some disconnect and they, they just basically were, were saying, I'm dealing with a lot of struggles because I never got their presence. They weren't around me. They didn't help me the way that they should have helped. And this isn't to guilt somebody here that's a parent that maybe has screwed up. That's maybe this Christmas, get it right. This Christmas, say the things that you need to say, even if that means to humble yourselves. You know what I mean? You're never going to be the perfect parent anyway. That's why they got God, but you can certainly make things right. But when it comes to being near, God came near to us because proximity brings clarity. Proximity brings clarity. Last week, two weeks ago, uh, I got a phone call. Um, as you can imagine, I'm used as a reference pretty often because I know people pretty well, uh, at least what they want me to know. <laughs> but you think I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I get called for a reference, somebody that I absolutely love and knew this person would just do a tremendous job. And so I'm giving this, this uh, reference call and, and, and they're talking. They say, so how long have you known this person, right? And so I, I tell them, in the, at what level have you known this person? Oh, I, I tell them. And okay, what places, what situations have you found yourself in with this person? That, so I told them. And what it made me realize is proximity is all of the answers to truly understanding somebody. They didn't care how long I knew them and how many ways I was six levels connected through Kevin Bacon. They wanted to know how many times I truly was in it with somebody and understood their capacity for leadership. Can I tell you, people ask us all the time to give a reference for God if we believe in him. How close are you in proximity to him to even give him a good reference? That wasn't even my notes. We have to understand Christmas was so that God could come near to us so that we would understand him and in our proximity get clarity. Why? So that we could go to the ends of the earth and be a referral for our God, be an ambassador to more than a brand, but to an eternity and to the one who holds the keys. Come on, is that good or what? Christmas is about God coming near. Acts 27 says this, yeah, there it is. Acts 27 says this, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. It's in him. He came near to us. And now everything we do, our ability though, our creation, the fact that God knit us together in our mother's womb, the fact that our breath came from somewhere. Breath didn't come from nowhere. I think about it. When you have to resuscitate somebody, you're having to use your breath to get them back to life. Where did life come from? Some breath had to start somewhere. We are God-breathed. Just let that sit for a minute. The scripture says he will be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. See, God is no longer up there. He will be called Emmanuel because God is now with us. What happened that day changed everything because God chose to come near so that we would truly understand him so that we could be an ambassador for who he is. He is not far from any one of us. 
Number four, as I wrap this thing up, Christmas is about salvation through reception. In the same way that earth received its king, we have to decide whether we're going to receive the king. It says God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Turn to him. If you're turning to him, you're turning away from something else, by the way. You're not just including him in the mix. If we just include him in the mix, it doesn't become redemptive. It creates, oftentimes, a mess because he's supposed to be the star. But now we're trying to juggle him with all the other things that we claim are not as important as God, but yet when they become more important than being in his house, and when they become more important than reading his word, when they become more important than prayer, when they become more important than uh, what you're teaching your children, we have to realize he's really not that important in our life. In fact, the best thing we could ever do is stop lying to ourselves. You do it every day. You're actually probably one of the most un uh, dishonest people about yourself. Because we don't like to have to have those hard truths and look ourselves in the mirror knowing. But what I will tell you is, God knows and still loves us. He knows us to our deepest, darkest core and still loves us. And still wanted to become known to us. Still wanted to come near to us. Why? Because he's saying, look, I've tried so many different ways for you to understand who I am. I've given so many miracles. I've, I've spoken. I've, I've shown myself in this way. And I, I saved you in Noah's Ark. And I, I saved this. And I showed up there. But you know what? Through the generations, you keep failing to know who I really am. So guess what I'm doing? I'm coming down myself. I'm coming near to you so that for once, once and for all, you would receive me. Not just add me to your lists. Not just tuck me under the Christmas tree behind that new latest greatest, but receive me as your king. God commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. It says in verse 34, some joined Paul and became believers. Christmas is not just about giving attention to Jesus' coming, but about Holy Spirit's prompting of our reception of Christ. Repentance through receiving Christ is the only way to salvation. <clears throat> I have a lot of stories, but I'll just give you one more. I was recently at this, um, this big Marlboro Economic Development Corporation meeting and celebrating how they were able to raise $1.4 billion to lock in the residential tax in this area for so many more years, which is great to know if you live in this area. But as I was there, I know I'm not really about that. I'm looking for my mission. Like, okay, God, why am I here other than the hors d'oeuvres are pretty excellent. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> uh, but as I was there, I started to talk to actually a mother of someone I went to school with. And she, you know, she said, I'm always like, man, everyone just asks me these God questions. And I realize I'm wearing a thing that says pastor. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> they know. <laughs> But they asked me, like, no, I mean, does it really matter who? I mean, as long as we live a good life. And I said, well, that's, that's the wrong premise. The, the premise is actually, the, the thought that we could actually live a good life is where we're flawed. Because the reality is, who sets the bar on what is good? 
Because if you say, well, all I did was lie a little bit, that's good enough. And someone else says, well, all I did was embezzle a little bit. It's still a lie. And someone else says, well, all I did was murder one person. Someone else says, well, all I did was cheat on my spouse. Someone else says, well, I didn't really do any of that, but I've lived a lie my whole life and I've told everyone lies just to make myself better. I haven't been true to who I am. See, who gets to set the bar on what is good? Only the one that is good. Scripture says there's only one that's good. And so if he's the judge, then we're all in trouble because he knows what good really looks like. The reason we're no longer in trouble is because Jesus said, I will be the good in your world if you would just receive me. I would make you good. I would make you righteous. We're not righteous because we live righteously. We're righteous because he made us righteous because of his goodness. And that's what the repentance into salvation is. It's understanding that God was so gracious. He came down to us. And even though it started in a manger, it ended at a cross. And it didn't end there either, did it? See, Jesus' birth in the manger was the first domino that had to fall to see the Old Testament law fulfilled, the cross accepted, death applied, the tomb emptied, and eternal death once and for all overcome. When I think about Christmas, this is the first domino that fell for us to experience real life and the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. So as Paul said, to an unknown God that you guys claim to worship, I'm here to teach you and tell you all about him. See, Christmas is about making God known. This Christmas season, I don't want us to just expect to hear Christmas story retold, although we will. My greatest desire is that we would go and tell the Christmas story and make the unknown God known. This Christmas, let's draw close. Our greatest call and purpose in this life is to know Christ and to make Christ known. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.